0: Hi everybody, Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on this Wednesday. My name is J.J. Jackson. I proudly serve as the host. Of Lockdown Blue Devils. If you haven't done so already, please leave us a five star rating and review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We're a daily podcast talking everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. Watch our show daily, each and every day on YouTube. Press that subscribe button, share it with your friends. Your support means the absolute world. And if you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. And you can follow me on Twitter at underscore jj underscore jackson underscore on today's show really excited to talk about the duke football team with one of my good buddies from espn the acc network he does it all it's drew carter who's here with us on the program and drew we talked in the summer now here we are a third of the way through the college football season it's funny how quickly things start to speed up here hope you're doing well thanks for being on the show again
1: Yeah, you too, Triple J. It's great to be here. Always a blast coming on, whether it's Sports Call or Locked on Blue Devils or in the future, the J.J. Jackson show extraordinaire, (laughs) whatever you got. But, yeah, it's great to be here. Excited to talk Duke football because, man, nobody saw this coming, but they look awesome.
0: They did it. I mean, it's it's been a remarkable start to the year. We saw an epic football game this past weekend uh, between a battle of unbeaten Duke and Kansas, which I don't think that anybody ever thought we would see the day that that takes place. Uh, we'll get to see a rematch on the basketball floor come November in the Champions Classic when those two teams go head-to-head. But you look at expectations for this Duke football team. First-year head coach Mike Elko and Drew, not many people thought this team would amount to much. Here in year one, how could they? It's a Duke football team that went three and nine last season. It's been a revolving door at quarterback over the last few years. There's no real proof that this could be a successful season. And yet here we are.
1: Yeah. And part of the reason I was excited to do this podcast, JJ, is I I hope you can help me understand how this is happening for Duke football in year one under Mike Elko. I mean, we're talking about it. Like no matter how much you liked Mike Elko coming into the year, and obviously, everyone loves him now because the proof is in the pudding. But no matter how much you like a coach in football going into year one, you cannot expect anything like this in the first year, especially for a team like you said that, let's be honest, sucked last year. <laughs> uh, not only 3-9 and nine overall, but winless in the ACC, right, by an average of like almost 30 or more than 30 points a game. Um, and Dave Cutliffe is a great coach and is seemingly doing great things for the SEC now. Uh, but it was over for him by, by the end of it and they needed a a fresh perspective, I think. And that's what Elko has given them. But the thing is, in year one, like that's not even nearly enough time to have any expectations for a team to succeed on the field. You can start building the culture. You can start to hit the recruiting trail, all that. But year one is not when you expect it to all come together. And for Elko to do this, it's pretty astounding with essentially the same roster uh, with a few new guys that couldn't win a game in the ACC last year. It's amazing to see.
0: Yeah, it, it's a young quarterback stepping up, which certainly helps. in Riley Leonard, he's been terrific. And I'm sure we'll touch on him in just a little bit. But you talk about the change uh, in leadership. David Cutcliffe holds the post of head football coach at Duke for 14 years. That's a really long time to be anywhere. And in the history of Duke football, outside of a couple spurier years in the 90s, there's not a whole lot to hang your hat on. So uh, it's It's important for Duke football fans to not immediately turn this into a bashing of David Cutcliffe because that would be short-sighted and you would let the recent years uh, impact the way you view things. What he did for the program was outstanding. However, it was just time. He's getting older in age. Recruiting was starting to fall off and that sort of thing. And there was a complete shift in the branding of this Duke football program. And then you factor in the coaching search too, Drew, because – Jason Garrett of all people was getting a lot of love if people remember when the job was open, and then also Tony Elliott, who Duke's going to face off, chose Virginia essentially over Duke, is the way uh, things have been reported as of late. So uh, David, or excuse me, Mike Elko didn't really seem to be one of the premier guys that people wanted to be in this job, and now I don't know that Duke fans would trade him for anybody.
1: Right. 100 percent and that's an interesting wrinkle to the game this weekend and would you ever expect duke to get the prime time slot on acc network in a like early season game never right i mean (laughs) especially not coming into this year so that's awesome uh they should be favored against virginia which i know they are which again how could anyone have expected that five weeks into the season after what virginia did last year And, and by the way like Can't really blame Tony Elliott because this Duke job seemed like it'd be a massive rebuild. Compare that to UVA, where you've got a great quarterback who led the league in passing last year coming back. Uh, You've got a great infrastructure there that Bronco built. So for Tony Elliott, that was probably a no brainer to go to UVA over Duke, considering where the respective programs were. Uh, So for Elko to come in and just immediately change everything is incredible. And like, you know, I I think it'd be easy to overreact to a non conference slate. Like take, uh, take Michigan, for example, like Michigan looks great. You know, they should be in the top four. Well, they had the weakest schedule in the country four weeks in. Not the case for Duke, man. Like they're a double digit point underdog going to Northwestern. No one expects them to win that game. And, and they do Uh, at Kansas, you know, Kansas is somehow unranked, which is criminal. uh, But they've got one of the best players in the country at quarterback. That atmosphere was crazy in Lawrence. Uh, again, don't expect that because it's not a basketball game, but right. crazy atmosphere. And they go in there and hang with them and have a great chance to win that game despite some mistakes they made. So this Duke team is no no fluke. And, you know, JJ, you look at the Coastal Division outside of Pitt, Duke can hang with anyone, I think. So, I mean, like, it, it's amazing how fast the narrative changes in football because Duke, a month into the Mike Elko era, fans have to be 100% more positive than they were uh, before he took over.
0: I'm fired up. I can't wait to see what it looks like at the end of the season. It it is going to get more challenging as you jump into conference play, but at least you can kind of ramp things up if you're Duke because you're taking on a Virginia team this weekend. Georgia Tech happens to be on the schedule right after that, and then you've got North Carolina, a team that has also struggled Mm. a little bit this season. So, you know, you look at the schedule before the year started, you're trying to find the wins for Duke once it comes to conference play, and now all of a sudden – That the first four weeks have played out. It almost seems like in a strange way, those wins might be directly in front of you here.
1: 100%. You know, we'll see what happens with uh, the Georgia Tech interim potential coaching bump. I feel like that happens a lot in football when you just get a new voice in there, right? Especially when it's uh, replacing Jeff Collins, who no offense to him. I'm sure he's a great guy, but that was a complete disaster from the start. So we'll see what happens with Georgia Tech. But, you know, fair to say, JJ, that they're going to be favored in both these next two games. I know they're favored against UVA, but they should be a favorite against Georgia Tech as well. So yes. you start stacking these wins here, man, and all of a sudden you're bowl eligible. I mean, a similar thing is happening at my alma mater up in central New York at Syracuse. Like, all of a sudden they're going to be 5-0 and after beating Wagner this week. And it's like, wow, you know, the, the expectations have been totally recalibrated because – when Syracuse beat Louisville in Week One and pounded them, a Louisville team that we all thought was going to be pretty good, and I still think could be good, it was like, "Wow, how good could this team be?" Eight, nine, ten wins, um, and then you take a step back and it's like, "Wow, all we wanted was to make a bowl this year, and, and here we are." Uh, for Duke, I think it's probably the same thing, right? Where you know, I, I just mentioned that the Coastal is pretty weak this year uh, outside of Pittsburgh. You know, we're talking about a potential Division Championship contender. For a team that what people wanted them to win four or five games in year one would have been a success for Mike Elko because you couldn't have gone down from last year's 0 and 8 in the ACC. It's just, it's wild how the expectations are different now.
0: The way you frame that is so true, yet so very strange because yeah. I never thought we would get to that point. Uh, but you're right, you could be onto something there, and we'll see if the Stoop team has a little run in them. Let's talk a little bit more about the ACC and how the conference has played out so far this season. We'll continue our conversation with ESPN's Drew Carter here in just a moment on Locked On Blue Devils. Our show today is brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for football betting information this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, and analysis on every game you could find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sporting wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. Duke football taking on Virginia this weekend. Bet online's got Duke as a two and a half point favorite. As we speak the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right. As we move forward here on today's episode of lockdown blue devils, I'm JJ Jackson alongside ESPN's Drew Carter and Drew, we've been talking about the conference so far uh, and a game coming up this weekend between Duke and Virginia. As you said, the Cavaliers have already played a conference game. They just took on a Syracuse team uh, that, like, is off to a great start. Props to the Orange for what they've been able to do. You look at that offense, though, for Virginia, and it really is surprising. You mentioned yeah. the quarterback and Brennan Armstrong coming back, and then not to mention Tony Elliott is an offensive-minded coach, and yet offensively – Duke's been better than Virginia in every Mm -hmm. area.
1: Yeah, totally bizarre. Uh, So I will say this, though. Virginia offensively is weirdly down from a passing perspective, but their run game, I think, is better than it was last year, Uh, which isn't saying a whole lot because they didn't really bother running it much last year, (laughs) and it worked for them. But their run game is better than it was last year. I think their defense is, is slightly improved as well. But you're right, man. It is weird to say that a Virginia team that led the league in total offense last year and hired an offensive coach has a worse offense than a Duke team that couldn't really move the ball against anyone last year and hired a defensive coach. Uh, But Duke, I mean, Duke is better offensively in the early goings of this year. Uh, Virginia, you know, David Hale, who is a great writer at ESPN, specifically covering the ACC and I'm a company man. I'm going to shout out as many ESPN colleagues of mine as I can. And speaking of writers at ESPN, if you haven't read the Mike Elko feature from Pete Thamel uh, from ESPN.com a few days ago, you have to. It's fascinating stuff and it's illuminating about the guy that's turning that program around. Uh, But what David Hell tweeted is about how like, hey, Virginia might look different this year, but uh, they're actually still kind of effective from a, a run game perspective. And even though Brennan Armstrong's numbers don't look great, especially not compared to last year, because it would be a tough act to follow last this year compared to what he did a season ago, uh, they're still moving it on the ground. So the team is not a joke. Uh, they almost beat Syracuse at the Dome last week, and I think Syracuse is really good, my completely unbiased opinion. Uh, Syracuse went out to a 16-0 lead in the first half of that game. Virginia came all the way back and actually took the lead late, Syracuse needed a late field goal to win that game by two points Uh, so Virginia is not a terrible team and I think that for Tony Elliott he doesn't have the Mike Elko pixie dust turning things around in year one like they did at Duke but he's a promising coach and he he must have turned down dozens of head coaching jobs when he was at Clemson before he finally took the UVA one and there's a reason he left now it's because that that job is a place where I think you can win so Virginia is, is still pretty good despite the start. I think Duke should be favored, uh, but it's an interesting game. You know, it's in prime time for a reason.
0: Yeah, at home for Duke at Wallace Wade Stadium, again, 7.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff on Saturday. We've gone far too long without talking much about Riley Leonard. Shame on us for doing that yeah. because, again, this is kind of in the story of the offseason, Drew. Nobody was talking about Riley Leonard going into the season anyway, so why start now? Right. other than the fact that this guy has been one of the most productive, the most efficient quarterbacks, not only in the conference, but really in power five football.
1: Right. Everyone's busy talking <laughs> about the guy down tobacco road, right? I mean, Drake may has been awesome. Right. <laughs> and you know Carolina has been doing some great things offensively. Uh, they can't stop a nosebleed despite their three defensive coordinators. But, uh, you know, Drake may has been great, but Riley Leonard has been awesome as well. JJ, like this guy, he, he really came out of nowhere, and I'm, I'm interested to hear from you as a guy who, who covers the program every day, like, where did this guy come from, and what were the expectations for him coming into the year? Because all we knew is that Duke was, like, the last or the second-to-last team to name a starting quarterback, uh, and the only one who waited longer was Pitt, and we all kind of knew that Slovis was the guy. So Duke was really the only mystery we had, a quarterback in the ACC. So what happened with Riley Leonard? Like, who is this dude?
0: And then you add in the fact, Drew, that the guy that he was battling for that quarterback job was Jordan Moore, who's now turned a wide receiver. When do you ever see that happen, that the guy that you were competing with throughout all of fall camp all of a sudden becomes your starting wide receiver and your first touchdown pass of the season? You throw to him, even though the week before you were working on him, uh, battling him for the position at that quarterback spot. Uh, Yeah, I mean, a sophomore from Fairhope, Alabama, got out of SEC country and found his way in Durham. Funny enough, had gone to like Bruce Pearl exposure basketball camps and is quite a basketball player himself down in the state of Alabama, but liked the football offer that he got from David Cutcliffe at Duke at the time and now has worked his way into being one of the faces of the program. So uh, just like kind of came out of nowhere. This guy's down in Alabama of all places, and now he's (laughs) starring for the Duke football team.
1: And I think give credit to Cutcliffe, too. You know, we're talking about yeah. Elko a lot, but what do we know about David Cutcliffe? He is the quarterback whisperer, going back yeah. to the the Manning days. So give him a lot of credit. And, yeah, I think probably the SEC and the Alabama ties, Cutcliffe is from Birmingham, right? He's from, right. He's an Alabama native. So give him the, the credit for obviously bringing him in the Alabama ties and then working with him as the QB guru, getting Riley Leonard ready, To take over this year but it's the same thing as elko man like no one no one expected this and you know my favorite podcast is the bill simmons podcast i love that guy and his theory is always that if you trust the coach and you trust the quarterback you can trust the team Uh, and so for duke i think the reason we were all so low on them or so unsure of them is it's a first year coach and a total mystery at quarterback a month into the season I have total faith in Elko and Leonard, which is crazy to say, but like that, that's, I mean, that's one of the best coach quarterback combinations in the conference, I think. So Duke fans have to feel really good about the future.
0: And we should feel great. We've got Virginia coming up, and then Duke's got, uh, of course, Georgia Tech, North Carolina headed that way. The coastal has been so chaotic as it always is, uh, with, you know, like you said, Pitt kind of being there at the top and everyone else. Kind of following suit. Taking a look at the conference, any other big stories that are standing out to you so far, Drew?
1: Well, Georgia Tech, we mentioned it there a little bit, but I'm fascinated to see what they do at their coaching spot and their AD spot, for the record. I mean, that's one that doesn't get talked about quite as much, but they fired their athletic director as well, Todd Stansberry, who outside of football, I thought did a pretty great job. Uh, Their non revenue sports are tremendous, like volleyball and uh, women's hoops, they're doing great stuff in a lot of aspects. Men's basketball, they win the ACC tournament a couple years ago. You know, they've been sort of down for a few years. Everyone seems to love Josh Pastor and rightfully so. He's a phenomenal guy. Uh, so I think outside of football, Stansbury did a pretty nice job, but that's the key is, you know, you can't have that caveat in today's day and age. It's just, it, it's too much of a monster college football, especially in Power 5. It's too important. And the way the Jeff Collins situation went down, Stansberry was never going to survive that paying his buyout to get him from temple and now paying him a buyout of North of $11 million is what we've reported. Uh, it just, he was never going to survive. So who makes the decision first of all on who they're going to hire and then who do they hire? And, and I think there are some really interesting candidates out there. Um, the sexiest name. And I think the biggest pipe dream out there is Deion Sanders, obviously a guy with a big following in Atlanta and who's doing great things at Jackson state. I would be shocked. You see these hats back here, JJ, I will eat one of them. If Deion Sanders goes to Georgia tech, I think that he, he is really gung ho about building an HBCU program into a national power. And he should, he's going to stay at, George, at uh, Jackson state. And I think that's really cool that he's doing that. The only job I'd see him leaving for is Florida state. Cause it's his alma mater or, or like a superpower program. If, I don't know if Saban leaves Alabama and they want to hire Dion, but that's, I mean, we're talking about crazy stuff here. So Dion is the most fun name. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Jamie Chadwell is the one that makes the most sense to me from coastal Carolina. I think he's probably going to hold out for Auburn because it seems like that job is going to be open somewhat soon. But if you're a Georgia tech fan, it's like our best years in recent memory. We're running the triple option under Paul Johnson. Jamie Chadwell basically runs a modern, exotic exciting version of the triple option at Coastal and they've had a lot of success lately so Chadwell I think is a candidate running backs coach at Georgia Del McGee is a great recruiter and he could be a nice fit at Georgia Tech Bill Clark the former UAB coach who left with some health issues he's got a bad back but you know could the the allure of a power five job be enough to bring him back to coaching I think that'd be a great fit he's a culture guy the UAB program literally was dead they didn't play football for two years he brings them back. They win a conference championship the next year. So like they've got some really interesting candidates and I'm, I'm thrilled to see where they go. They just need to fill the athletic director position first, or maybe the, the president on Cabrera will do the hiring. I don't know, but I think that's a place you can win quite frankly. You know, there are a lot of challenges there, but we've seen them be good in recent memory. So We'll see what happens at Georgia Tech. That's what yeah. interests me the most right now.
0: And, and Drew, in all of this, you've still got eight games left in the football season right. to be played. It's not like right. we're just going to pause for Georgia Tech to figure out their stuff and and then proceed with the season, right? So uh, like you said, sometimes it's just a different voice. Rah-rah from Coach Brent Key who's stepping into the spot. I'm sure he would like to toss his name into the hat yeah. as a potential leader of that Georgia Tech football program. So uh, yeah interesting things for sure and Georgia Tech of course the next opponent on the docket for Duke. All right let's take our final time out here on today's program and we'll start to wrap up after this here on Lockdown Blue Devils. Locked on Blue Devils and the Lockdown College Network proud to be partnered with LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs is where you need to go to help you find the right people for your team faster. And for free, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs, number one, in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com. Slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Moving forward here, final few moments of today's episode of On Blue Devils, JJ Jackson alongside Drew Carter each and every week. Mondays, we've got In Play on the ACC network. Tell me a little bit about the show, Drew.
1: So the name is In Play, and the uh, theory behind the name is that everything is in play nothing's off the table. It's all in play. I like it. For the role that I serve on Mondays, JJ, during football season, it's basically a recap of, of what went down. Uh, we start every every Monday by saying, let's get you acquainted with what's going on in the ACC. Acquainted ACC, Q-U-A, <laughs> et cetera. I'm not going to try to spell it. I'm no spelling bee champ. Um, but we'll get you acquainted with what's happening. So you tune in Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern. You're going to find out all the important stuff that's going on in the ACC with a look back on the weekend and then also your initial look forward to the next week. Um, So it's really exciting. It's really cool. I host the show solo. It gives us a chance to really hear from coaches and let them go a little bit. A lot of the time on, you know, whether it's local news or even network shows, the sound bites are 15 to 20 seconds max. You don't get a chance to really hear the coaches for a whole lot. Last week we played an Elko soundbite that was a minute and a Mac Brown soundbite that was two minutes. Not because we like Carolina more than Duke, don't come after me, but because Mac Brown was talking about how he was frustrated by the Notre Dame game, which he should have been frustrated by that game because they did not look very good, especially defensively. And someone asked him, "You seem more passionate than on a normal Monday." And Mac Brown goes, "Well, I'm always passionate." And the guy's like, "Well, it seems like you're a little more today." He goes, "I'm I'm passionate because." We can be good, and we're not. (laughs) And then he he talked for like a minute and a half. He's like, I want to know why we lost this game. I'm the same as y'all. I go in the locker room. What happened here? Why did we outgain them and lost? So stuff like that gives us a chance to really get to know the coaches, and and that's fun. And then we wrap it up every day with a segment called DC's Theses, where I give you a thesis or multiple theses about what I think is happening in the ACC, and that can – go anywhere. Sometimes we've got five of them, sometimes it's one of them, um, but it's it's a lot of fun. So we enjoy doing that show. It gives me a chance to talk about the entire ACC.
0: Just out of curiosity, prior to that segment originating, how many times in your life had you ever been called DC?
1: <laughs> sometimes. I think you probably claim most of those times <laughs> that I've been called DC, JJ. Uh, some One of my friends calls me DC Comics, but that, that's about it. That's about it. I've always been disappointed that more people don't use the initials. Maybe it's because people call me Drudel because of my Twitter handle.
0: (laughs) I love it. In play every week, 3 p.m. Eastern. They're on Mondays for the ACC Network. So, Drew, also happening this week, uh, basketball season is getting underway. Pretty crazy. We've already gotten there, first official practices, and it's a Duke program that's in a major shift. John Shire now leading the charge as the head coach. Uh, It'll be here before we know it, Drew
1: do you think John Shire goes into Mike Elko's office and says, Hey man, how do you do this in year one? Like what's, (laughs) what's the secret sauce? Cause you know, if, if Shire could be remotely as successful as Elko from an expectations and exceeding them perspective, Duke's going to win the national championship. No doubt. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, it's exciting, man. Like, it's really cool uh, to have a fresh voice at the helm of that program. And obviously Coach K is still going to be involved. I, I think he still has an office in Durham. Um, but it, it is cool to see a young guy like John Shire, who frankly is really cool with the media. Um, and, and I've I've had great interactions with him, brief interactions, but he's the kind of guy who, you know, once you meet him once, it seems like he's going to remember who you are, which, you know, you can't say that about every college basketball coach. So, That's really cool, and I'm excited to see what happens with them. Obviously, the recruiting has been amazing, um, and Shire didn't miss a beat with that. So, yeah, it should be a fun season, but it's wild to think that Hoops is here already. Like, you bring it up, JJ, I almost can't even think about it. Like, we've got (laughs) football and volleyball and in-play and all this stuff going on right now. It's like, really? We're here already to basketball? But college basketball is probably my favorite season, so I can't wait.
0: Yeah, it'll be here before we know it, and you'll have to learn a new Duke basketball team because the roster's changing every single year, and they're going to have star players that are there for a season before starting that NBA journey, and uh, of course, expectations are always crazy and out the roof uh, for John Shire and for that Duke basketball program. So um, I'm certainly counting down the days. First game of the season uh, happens to fall on my birthday, November 7th, uh, so it's more the reason for me to count down to when that thing's going to get going.
1: (laughs) Are they playing Kansas?
0: That would be uh, awesome if they were, but, no, that's going to be a week <laughs> after. They're playing Jacksonville in the first game of the season.
1: I got so. you. Hey, Jacksonville, their yeah. coach, uh, Jordan Mincy, I want to say, is, is still there. He's a young, hotshot, pretty good Jacksonville team. Be okay. careful with that one, Duke. Right. They, they, I think they won their regular season conference championship last year and then I lost to the right. tournament. So be careful with them. They're pretty good.
0: we'll we'll count it down and uh, get ready for basketball season drew this has been a whole lot of fun thanks again for coming on locked on blue devils it's always great to see you
1: i love it man thanks for having me triple j
0: that's drew carter from espn of the acc network joining us on today's episode of locked on blue devils so much fun talking about a variety of different topics thanks for your support as always for locked on blue devils we're back at it tomorrow my good buddy brendan marks of the athletic has a full breakdown of what's coming up for the Stukman's basketball season. That's coming your way tomorrow here on Lockdown Blue Devils. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and Good day.